Welcome to Enscope, the healthcare security podcast. Each episode, we bring you interviews, technical tips, and a unique point of view on the challenges facing the ever-changing healthcare ecosystem. Here's your host, Mike Murray. I'm really excited about this guest. This is one of my favorite podcasts that I think we've ever done because as any of the listeners know, obviously we're a healthcare security podcast, but I've done a lot of things in mobile security, including being chief security officer at a company called Lookout, where we spent a lot of time examining the flaws in mobile apps around the world. And when I read our guest's paper on uh, mobile health apps, I was like, this is the perfect person for us to, to just nerd out about all of the challenges that mobile developers have, as well as healthcare. So with that, we have Alyssa Knight with us, who wrote a really cool paper and is about to do another one. So I'm really excited to have her on the podcast today because I think we're just going to geek out about all kinds of really cool things. So Alyssa, welcome. And maybe you can give give the audience some background on yourself. Let the geek out begin. Exactly. Yeah, sure. So I kind of feel like I'm at that arrogant stage of my life where I can just walk right into a podcast because I'm just everywhere and I don't need to give my bio anymore. It's kind of like, you know, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's kind of like a famous Hollywood actress where she just doesn't have to introduce herself anymore. You know, I'm like Julia Roberts and I just don't have to go on about Pretty Woman or anything like her. Aaron Brockovich. Just, I just say, Alyssa Knight. And everyone's like, oh yeah, her. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not that arrogant. Soon, soon enough, you can just go by Alyssa and everybody will know, you know, it's Madonna or Cher. It's just Alyssa or, or AVK. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. Exactly. Just not even, I'm, I'm, I'm so, it's not even the name. It's just the initials, uh, you know, or, or I could just be like Prince with the symbol. Anyway, so yes, I'm I'm Melissa Knight, recovering hacker extraordinaire and content creator. So if if a if a content creator and a hacker had a baby, I would be the product of that. That is a fantastic <laughs> elevator pitch. You know, we we in startup land love our elevator pitches, right? I like to disrupt, and so I think the best way to describe me is I really see myself as a disruptor of the content marketing space where you can kind of throw a rock and hit somebody that can write a white paper about a product and how great it is. <laughs> and I mean that in the most respectful way possible to all the vendors out there and all the marketers out there, because that's needed, right? But I'm a big believer in Simon Sinek's, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And so I, I, what I've done is I've said, okay, we need to change this up. And so what I've done is, I create content, whether it's videos or white papers, from the perspective of an adversary. So I blend hacking and content creation together to show the efficacy of a company's product. So in the research that you're talking about that you spoke about in the intro, it was a vendor that approached me approve with an API security product. And I said, okay, well, instead of us talking about how you protect APIs from attack, why don't we go out there and attack 30 mobile health apps and APIs and show how your product would have prevented it and how it prevented it so people can make sure that the product does what the marketing material says it does, which I think is a systemic problem in cybersecurity. I completely agree with you. I, I rant all the time about cybersecurity and the diet industry being the only two industries I can think of where in selling the product, it's really hard to demonstrate the benefits. Right. If, if I say to you that I protect against Russian APT, 
if you don't happen to have Russian APT on speed dial to to call them up and be like, hey, can you attack this for me? How can you, you make sure it? this the salesperson is not lying to me? Can you right? Yeah, exactly. Ransomware, you know, run ransomware in my network. Yeah, it's hard. It is. It is, and and you know, I mean, as a CISO, as a buyer, you know, I've been on that side of the table, and a lot of times you'll find features they meant to say we're going to be in a future version, not the current version, or, or oh, you know, uh, that's coming, you know, or you know, it's it, you don't you don't really get what you think you're buying. And so I'm trying to transform the cybersecurity industry and be a different voice and really disrupt the way we've been doing things up until now. I love that so much. And so so let's let's geek out a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about your mobile hacking paper because I think you identified so many really interesting bad practices on mobile developers and also bad practices that healthcare developers fall into. And so, you know, maybe give some color on what you found. Sure. So I started out with what's called static code analysis, where I downloaded the apps. I used APK Extractor to pull them off my Android device, move them to my workstation to actually analyze the code, to look for hard-coded API secrets, tokens, credentials. Even in 2021, we're still doing that. We're still hard-coding usernames and passwords and apps. We're still hard-coding API keys and tokens. So despite best practice, despite the two or three decades of slaps on the wrist for doing this, we're still doing it. After I'm done with the static code analysis, I moved to network traffic interdiction, where I actually inject myself in the middle of the communication between the mobile app and the API so I can understand how the API works, right? And that's that's why I'm a big proponent of the fact that you don't have to be a programmer to be a hacker. And I've fallen on the opposite side of that debate so many times where, you know, it really has become a religious debate where the programmers and supporters are, you know, you're not as good of a hacker unless you know how to code. And if you look at things like black box penetration testing or embedded systems like a connector, you don't have access to source code. So how is that even relevant? And the best hackers that I've ever met couldn't write a line of code to save their life, but they've got a, you know, not that this even matters, but CVEs to their name, because that's how people are being measured now too, right? How many CVEs do you have? It's ridiculous. It's, sorry, the, the audience couldn't see my head in my hand. <laughs> there was this thread on Twitter where some woman was being attacked by this dude that was like, how many CVEs do you have to your name? How do you call yourself a, a hacker if you don't have any CVs? And it's ridiculous. It's the, the whole thing is, to me, is asinine because that doesn't define a hacker. To me, hacking is just sending stimulus that the developer didn't expect and seeing what the response will be. That's all it is. Yeah, if you want to you want to get a bunch of hackers riled up, tell them that security is really just one additional step of QA. And yeah. that we're, we're all just glorified <laughs> QA people as much as we like to think that we're better than that in some way. Yeah. So question for you, you're talking about traffic interdiction and I, I want to, so one of my favorite struggles in mobile security, how are you doing traffic interdiction? Why are none of these apps cert pinning? And for, for maybe explain cert pinning to the audience for people who aren't up on what we're talking about. That's a good question. So unfortunately, in my 2019 research where I did this with financial services, mobile apps, and now this year with mobile health apps, 
it is a systemic problem. It's endemic to, I think, the industry where, and the only answer that I've gotten around this question is we're afraid of bricking the app. Either the certificate expires or we do something wrong and pinning ends up bricking our app. So we accept the risk and don't implement pinning. I think it's a lack of, I think, confidence in implementing pinning, the potential repercussions of, you know, a certificate expiring and not knowing what to do, or just, you know, just problems in general with with the certificates. And and for our audience who doesn't know, certificate pinning is simply just telling your mobile app, this is the, or the API, this is the only certificate that you're allowed to basically accept. And, and so it basically hard codes that cert and says, you need to ignore all other certificates unless this one is presented to you. And so when you don't implement that, you can insert yourself what I like to call a person in the middle or woman in the middle attack, where you are presenting a certificate to both sides of the communication. I'm pretending to be the API server, so I present my certificate to the mobile app. I'm pretending to be the mobile app, and I present my certificate to the API. And so both ends of that communication think they're talking to each other and they're really talking to me. So that allows me to decrypt the SSL TLS sessions. So when you're doing this, it allows you to decrypt that traffic, which would otherwise be encrypted, and allow you to understand what the URI requests are to the API that the API expects to receive. So that's all I'm doing. I'm just watching that traffic. I'm watching these two endpoints talking to each other and manipulating it. So if an API sends get slash patients slash 100, I'll intercept it with a tool called Burp Suite and change 100 to 1001 and see if the API sends me that data. And if it does, that's indicative of what's called a broken object level authorization vulnerability or BOLA vulnerability. And every single one of the APIs that I tested were vulnerable to this. So it's like they're rinsing and reusing the same code. And don't get me wrong, I have an, an a, immeasurable amount of respect for developers. I think the problem is that developers are getting authentication right, but they're not getting authorization right. They need to understand that you need to authenticate and authorize. And for your audience who also may not know what BOLA means, it would be like, Mike, you and I go to a party and you check your Burberry coat and wallet into the coat check. You get 18 as a number. And I come behind you and say, hmm, I want Mike's Burberry wallet. I want Mike's Burberry coat. And I get 17 and I check mine in. And then I take a Sharpie and I change that seven to an eight and go back to the coat check and say, I want my stuff. And then being able to walk away with your Burberry coat and wallet because I've changed I'm often I've I'm authenticated. The the coat check person says, hmm, Alyssa has a number. It's just I don't have my number. I have your number. And that's a great example of authentication versus authorization. I'm authenticated, I'm allowed to be there. I'm authenticated, I'm allowed to talk to the API, but I'm not authorized to request Mike's patient records. And we see that in healthcare so much. I often tell a story. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna tell this story on the podcast for the first time, um, and I, th- I think you'll get a kick of it. In a prior life, when I worked for a medical device manufacturer, there was a product that that didn't ever reach the market, and it was because it's the only time I've ever brought in a pen test team and had them quit. The pen test team started the engagement at nine o'clock on a Monday morning, and they called me at one o'clock on Monday and said, "We're done. We're out." And I what do you mean? This is a two-week engagement, guys. And they said, no, uh, it's really simple. With any user login, here's the URL. It's a GET request, and it's literally patient record ID one, 
ID2, ID3. And if you have any account, you just iterate through all of it and you can dump all the patient data out of the entire system. Was that an API or a web app? Like a, No, it was, it was a web app, but oh, wow. eventually they were talking about a mobile interface using that as an API, right? Just like everyone else. And so I've seen that same pattern so often. And, and like you said, in mobile as well, like it's not just health apps, it's finance apps, it's all kinds of apps that have these, these challenges with code. I think because we don't train our mobile developers well enough. With these challenges in the, in the mobile app space, what do you see as the solution? Is it just secure code training? How do we solve this problem? And especially because the research you did went across not just mobile app developers, but hospitals and healthcare delivery organizations who aren't necessarily spending huge amounts of their time developing software. Like, How do you solve this? Yeah, that's a good question. So I, I did actually speak to some developers. Obviously, I've, I've had Fire developers reach out to me. I've had mobile app developers reach out to me. And I like to ask this question, what got us here? Why am I still seeing this now two and a half decades later? This is stuff that reared its ugly face 20, 25 years ago. You know, hard coding credentials and keys and tokens and BOLA or what used to be called IDOR, Insecure Direct Object Reference. And we're still seeing it in 2021. And the, the most common theme and narrative that I get back is, well, if we can't hard code the keys in the app, where can we put them? And it's, it's, you know, it's like, we, we, we need to have a completely other cup of coffee for this conversation. What do you mean? Where do you put them? You know, and so it, that leads us down this whole conversation about code obfuscation and, and, you know, key stores and all that. Anyway, but I think the answer to your question is secure code training. You know, humans are the weakest link in security. We will forever be the weakest link in security. It doesn't matter... If you have a blank check for all the security controls in the world, if you have a human that hard codes credentials and tokens into a mobile app, it doesn't matter how big of a security budget you have. If you have stuff like that going on, game over. And I think you bring up another really interesting point is if you look at state of the art around API development and stuff like that, you you find HSMs and key stores and secret stores that to do it well, you have to actually work at the design and development of the architecture of the app. And I think a lot of times when I've talked to a lot of mobile developers, they're so focused on building the mobile interface that the API that serves the data from the back end is often a bit of an afterthought. Did you see some of that? I'm curious just what you think of that idea. Well, first of all, I think the response was obviously different across different organizations, right? When you're talking about 30 apps, you have different responses <laughs> at different visceral levels from different organizations. The response is different. And with some organizations, it's thanks for the free penetration test. We know what's, you know, and it is cool. It's very philanthropic work, right? Because it's not just about me doing some work for a client. There's actually multiple companies that have used that research and pointed to it for their own marketing purposes. And they, of course, it helps developers understand what they need to be doing better, right? Organizations to understand that this this needs to be better because it's PHI. It's our most sensitive data. Like I've said before, a bank that has a compromised credit card or debit card can just send you a new card in the mail. If your PHI is compromised, how do I send you new PHI in the mail? It doesn't work that way. I think the responses are different. I think different organizations have different explanations for why. I've run into some organizations that say, 
we've never had a penetration test before, Amari. How is that possible? It's in production. What do you mean? Well, you know, our SDLC goes this way. And then once it's in, it's shift right security versus shift left, right? So I want to say that the answer to your question is multiple layers of an onion. It's different things. It's shift left security. It's using solutions like Approve. It's performing penetration testing and hacking your own stuff. It's hopefully doing it before production. It's not hard coding credentials in your app and keys and tokens in your app. It's all of these things that were, it's not just one thing. And that's what I love about this, right? This is what is why I'm so passionate about hacking is you and I are hacking the same API. Guess what? You're going to find different findings than me. You're going to look at things differently through a different lens. Just like you and I standing in a museum, I'll be like, Mike, that's the ugliest painting I've ever seen. And you may say, Alyssa, I love that painting. I'm buying it. So everyone has a different perspective and th- that that plays out in penetration testing. And that's what I love so much about it. Yeah, it, it is a bit of an art. There, there is an art to that, to red teaming and to finding, to finding vulns. All right. I have to ask you, I know you're about to do, start doing some work on the fire standard. Yes, it's coming. Maybe you want to d- do a little bit of foreshadowing on that. All right. So it was dropped here. You heard it here first on Mike's podcast. I haven't uh, talked about this research yet. So the the video did drop. Is My loyal fans expect of me a, a cinematic DreamWorks style trailer to unveil new research. It's called Playing With Fire, F-H-I-R, of course. So I'm working with, I'm partnering up with several organizations that have offered their Fire APIs up for me to blow up and target, which is really cool. For them, of course, the benefit is that they get Alyssa Knight to hack that. I'm, re- I'm really sounding so arrogant and I really am. And if you, <laughs> if you get to know me, you'll find out that I'm like the least arrogant person in the world. Anyway, so, so <laughs> sorry. I sound like Donald Trump just now. I'm the least arrogant person I've ever met. <laughs> yeah, we, we, you, should, you should start a brand hacked by AVK. <laughs> hacked by AVK. I'm, I'm having the t-shirt made. Phil, you're in charge of that. <laughs> so, I'm not only a member, I'm also the president. So yes, I'm excited about this new research. I, I'm excited about what we're going to find. I've already begun poking it and the first FIRE API. The thing about FIRE, okay, so first of all, this is a huge thing because the National Institute of Health, the U.S. government has passed this federal law around the use of fire APIs. It's being mandated. It's being required for healthcare data interoperability between providers, between all the, between the entire healthcare sector in the United States. So it's a big thing, and they're being built on fire. What everyone needs to understand is that fire is not a shrink-wrapped API you can buy. Fire is a standard. It's 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 like a schematic. It's a blueprint for how to build the API. Now, what is the first thing that comes to your mind as a hacker when you hear something like that. Ooh, if the beauty is in the eye of the beholder, then certainly security is in the eye of the implementer, right? So, oh, that was good. I need to trademark that. Yeah, you need, you, I, you that need to say good. that one that a lot. Was, I'm impressed. I, I'm going to quote you on that a thousand times. Please, yeah. There's just a small royalty I'll expect every time you use it. <laughs> yeah, that one's, that one's going to end up in a slide deck that I present somewhere. So the, the thing is, is that 
you know, with with fire implementations, every company is going to implement it differently. Therefore, the security is going to be different across all implementations. So the interesting thing here is, yes, my results in this report will be around vulnerabilities affecting fire APIs, but we need to be careful to state that and clarify that this is not vulnerabilities in fire. It's vulnerabilities in these specific fire implementations because everyone's going to implement it differently. And the interesting thing, and I don't know if you saw this, Mike, you probably know this with your former life, but you can go to Amazon and AWS and, and, and search for fire and they have pre-built stuff for building and uh, quickly spinning up a fire API at Amazon. For AWS. It's crazy. Like this stuff is everywhere. Go to Google. Google has the same thing Go for Google Cloud. It's crazy. I mean, stuff is everywhere. Yeah, fi- fire for those that, that don't know is sort of the in, the intellectual successor of HL7, which you know if you know anything about HL7, it is everything to everyone. You, you know, it's it's patient interchange, it's it, it's interchange about uh, care and doctors and and nurses, it, and it literally has been extended so many times to do everything. And and fire is now doing the same thing, like you said. Every implementation of Fire is a unique implementation, even though it adheres to theoretically a standard. And that fast, means... Yeah, and you're probably going there. Fast healthcare interoperability resources. Fire. Yeah. The interesting thing, even uh, Apple Healthcare uses it. Apple Health on your iPhone. Yeah. And I'm really excited to see the, the work that you do because I think people, like you sort of intimated, people look at something like Fire and they say, oh, well, it's Fire, it's secure. But to your point, it's in the. It really is in the uh, hands of the person who implements it to determine whether or not that's secure and and whether or not it's built securely. Intimated. I like that word. Uh, I I tend to use big words. I'm going to use that word. <laughs> I love it. Okay, you get to use. You get to quote me, and I get to use intimated. Done. Done. <laughs> With that, where can the world find more of you? I mean, not, not I, everyone already knows you, but everyone must be so <laughs> sick of me. I'm, my my wife walks up to me the other day, and I didn't know how to process this. She walks up to me, and she's like, "Honey." You're everywhere. And I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, what does that mean? Like, are you sick of me? I'm like, I'm kind of like I think of Jerry Maguire when when Kush was like, I'm getting Kush Lash. I'm like, see, I'm I'm everywhere. It's Kush Lash. No, it's like Alley Lash. But yes, definitely subscribe to my YouTube channel. That's where a lot of my videos will drop first. Is I am a YouTuber. I release new video and, and I do a live live broadcast every week. So definitely check out Night TV on YouTube as well as on LinkedIn and Twitter. Right on. Well, thank you so much for coming in. Maybe when you uh, release the fire paper, we can have you back and we can do this again because I we will. This yes, is fun. we'll drop it here. We'll drop it I here love first. It. I love it. With that, thank you again for being here and uh, we'll talk again soon. Thanks for joining us for this episode of InScope. To make sure you never miss an episode, hop on over to www.scopesecurity.com to sign up. Or you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. And if you have ideas for topics, guests, or technical tips, please contact us at podcast at scopesecurity.com.